Hello, I'm TJ and welcome to my garden. Uh, today I'm going to be talking about lasagna gardening from Patri uh, by Patricia Lanza from the publishers of Organic Gardening Magazine. Uh, let me read you all the fun cover stuff like I did last time. Uh, the Garden Writers Association of America Quill and Trowel Award winner. A new layering system for bountiful gardens. No digging, no tilling, no weeding, no kidding. Well, nobody can really promise no weeding. <laughs> Uh, Pat Lanza is a genius. It's a pleasure to find a garden writer like Pat who speaks from experience and who shares practical information in clear, understandable language. Her no-till, no-dig method will save many aching backs, and the tips and time savers she sprinkles throughout lasagna gardening are sure to please gardeners of all skill levels. Walter Chandoa, garden photographer and author of The Literary Gardener. Another book I have to hunt down now. Uh, I absolutely recommend lasagna gardening for every gardener. Ralph Snodsmith, host of Garden Online or Garden Hotline, WOR Radio Network. About the author, born in Crossville, Tennessee, Patricia Lanza learned to garden at her grandmother's side. Ah, oh, me too. Not her grandmother, my grandmother. But anyway, and I also wasn't born in Tennessee, but I was born in Las Vegas. Uh, years later, the seed sown in her childhood blossomed as she created her first lasagna garden. Pat built that first garden out of necessity. She needed a source of fresh herbs for her country in, and she needed a way to garden without the laborious digging and tilling of traditional gardening methods. In lasagna gardening, Pat describes the first layered garden with more than 30 that followed it. Through, ah, sorry, <laughs> let me get a little tea here. Okay, in lasagna gardening, Pat describes her first layered I don't know why my tongue doesn't want to work right now. In lasagna gardening, Pat describes the first layered garden and the more than 30 that followed it. Uh, through her story, she shares the lessons she's learned in her nearly 50 years of gardening experience. Pat now hosts a weekly call-in radio show on gardening and is the proprietor of The Potager, a home and garden center and cafe in Wurtsboro, New York. A gardening system that works so you don't have to. Turn in your tiller for a stack of old newspapers. Replace your shovel with a layer of grass clippings. Let Pat Lenza show you how you can create lush, successful, easy care gardens in practically any location without hours of backbreaking, digging, and noisy tilling. Practical first-person advice for an experienced gardener or from an experienced gardener. Great ideas so you let great ideas to let you spend more time enjoying your gardens and less time working in them. Specific lasagna techniques for the most popular vegetables, flowers, herbs, fruits, and more. Uh, this was published by, oh, Rodale, uh, the Rodale Institute. They also publish a lot of stuff on organic gardening and that sort of thing. Uh, $15.95, price higher in Canada. Uh, I did not pay $15.95 for this. I bought it used, let's say, for a couple bucks. Um, this is the, looks like the 1998 edition. I believe there is a newer one, although I'm not certain. Uh, one thing I want to say right off, uh, I did like this book, especially because it is illustrated. No photographs. Um, I don't know if I brought this up in the other one, but the Square Foot Gardening book is mostly photographs with some illustrations. The Lasagna Gardener is entirely illustrated. Why is that a bonus? Well, if I take a picture of something, it's very hard sometimes to point out the details, especially when I'm talking about, say, very small parts of plants, parts that aren't visually that obvious, but have a maybe a weird shape or something that it's really easy when you're kind of feeling around with your fingers. There is a diversity to our senses, right? We have touch, taste, smell, yada, yada. We actually have more than five senses, but um, you have multiple senses that you use to pick out details on plants, and pictures only capture the visual. An illustration is visual, 
but it can show the shape that maybe you don't see when you look at the plant, but once you start touching it, you'll feel that little, say, nub or curve or whatever, and you'll pick it up. So that illustration can actually be better than a picture as a visual representation. Um, it also makes it very easy to lay out the plant in just the right way to depict a very specific part that is maybe possibly hard to show on the actual physical plant. So I do find illustrations handy. The illustrations in here are very well done. Uh, they look really nice. So, uh, I mean, they're not super duper, like insanely detailed. They're not photorealistic by any stretch of the imagination, but they do the job. So I did really like that about it. And that's throughout the text. Um, let's go ahead and go to the front. Like the other one, this is sort of a method book, which means right off the bat, it tells you basically the main part of the system all in one chapter. And then it just sort of builds on that from there. So you have an introduction, uh, chapter one, lasagna gardening basics. That gives you the lasagna method and the core of it. Let me actually, I think she has a diagram that sort of shows what the layers are. So I don't get this confused while I'm telling you guys. If I can, if I can just simply get there. There we go. There's one. So she shows a typical sort of layout and you can vary this a bit. She does go over that a little, but she shows one where uh, at the very bottom is the sod, so the grass you have on your, like in your lawn or wherever you gotta build this now. Um, then she puts down a layer of wet newspapers, a layer of peat moss, a layer of what she's calling it barn litter. You can use any sort of random organic material, um, ideally something with some manure in it. Uh, another layer of peat moss, a layer of compost, another layer of peat moss, a layer of grass clippings, another layer of peat moss, <laughs> a layer of chopped leaves, a final layer of uh, peat moss. And keep in mind the layers of peat moss in this picture are relatively small. And then a layer of wood ashes on top. Right? And so that's the basic lasagna gardening. You're just taking these different materials. And once you understand the method a little bit, you can vary the materials quite a bit. But you're taking these basic materials and layering them out. Uh, just like I said in the last episode, I do have issues with the extensive use of peat moss. Although, as I also said in the last episode, there's a little hypocrisy there as I do use it for some things. So it's not entirely easy to get away from. I prefer to. Um, she also says in the book, you can use coca core. So, uh, or cocoa peat, people call it different things. It's not really peat. It's a, it's core is the actual name of the material. Uh, but C O I R. But, um, she does say that you can use that to replace that. Um, and most of these other ones, like the compost, you can use pretty much any compost. The barn litter, you can use any kind of material like that. If you're lucky enough to live near a barn or horse stables, that's great. Otherwise, you can use you know manure or something like that. Uh, grass clippings and chopped leaves are pretty easy for anybody to get a hold of. So those you shouldn't have to sub out. And then the other chapters, let me go back to the front. Uh, then she breaks them down into different styles of... Uh, Lasagna gardening, meaning like if you want to grow, uh, she has the first one's uh, chapter two is vegetables, herbs, berries, flower gardening, lasagna gardening, and fall and winter. So that covers uh, seasonality of it. Uh, ignoring problems, which if I remember was basically a chapter on pointing out that like a lot of things you can kind of let go and they will sort of fix themselves. Some pest problems, things like that. Um, but also it, I think it does. Let me go back to that chapter to make sure I'm giving you the right information. 187. Uh, it does go over some basics of garden care. Uh, tells you kind of what pests and problems you can have, how to avoid them. A lot of it is she's pointing out, you know, common things like pick uh, resistant varieties to begin with. If you know you have a pest in your area, that sort of thing. Um, she does talk about companion planting. At some point, I'll review a companion plant book 
and I'll go into more detail. But companion planting depends on how you define companion planting, whether it's silly or normal. Um, if you're planting densely with plants, you're going to be doing companion planting, right? You're going to have different plants planted together. And some plants do assist a little bit in the overall care of others. For instance, a lot of herbs can help deter pest insects around your other food plants because they produce uh, noxious chemicals, the things we eat as flavoring, that are actually pesticides. And so they sort of scare things off. But this whole, you know, tomatoes love carrots or this likes that, or you have to plant this plant with that plant, a lot of that has never really been proven scientifically. There's no papers that show this stuff. There's no solid evidence. Um, there are a few cases like carrots and other things in the carrot family do encourage certain uh, predatory insects, specifically uh, predatory flies, who the flies themselves aren't the greatest predators, but their larvae are. And uh, so, the, so it's beneficial to have those. But it's only really beneficial to have those if you're going to let them go to flower. And in the normal course of growing a carrot, you don't let it flower. You, you grow the carrot to eat. If you're growing carrot for seed, then there's a benefit there. Uh, but yeah, so companion planting uh, is, is one of the recommended methods there. And it's kind of a, kind of a, it's something that doesn't always work or work at all. <laughs> uh, recruiting natural allies. Um, I believe she kind of echoes the same opinion I've always really had too, which is don't buy predatory insects except in very rare circumstances, um, unless you're growing in greenhouses or you need to introduce a new uh, predatory insect for a new pest insect that's just shown up. But we, like we do, they do releases right now in orchards of parasitic wasps for specific uh, insect pests we have that we don't have any predators for yet. But in most cases, things like ladybugs, praying mantises, there's very little reason to buy them unless you're, unless you're working in an enclosed area like a greenhouse. In your garden, the ones you buy are likely to just leave. And it's way better if you can actually encourage the ones you've already got in your area to show up, especially since there's a higher likelihood you're going to encourage the native relatives of those guys rather than the specific strain that they bred up or the ones they've collected from the wild. Um, because ladybugs are actually widely collected from the wild. And so you're usually not getting the bugs native to your area. Uh, praying mantises are usually lab bred, but they're the, I think the most common one being bred right now is the, I want to say the, uh, it's one of the Chinese varieties and that's obviously not native to most of America. So if you're, if you're gardening in the United States and you're, you're buying praying mantises, you're buying an invasive species and praying mantises will attack other beneficial insects, including natives. So that, that's something to think of. Um, so yeah, there's very little reason to buy them, encourage them naturally. This also says that as well. And this actually has a really nice list of native insects. Um, also some stuff on deterring deer, a problem I've thankfully never had to deal with, uh, using rabbit repellents, that sort of thing. Uh, this book is really great in the detail it goes into on using her method to grow different kinds of crops. So it gives you a different lasagna setup to customize it to growing, say, blueberries or to growing, you know, different kinds of berries, different kinds of fruits. It tells you how to make these individualized lasagna gardens. It also goes over her experiences and how she started it. Uh, like it said on the back of the book, uh, she was running an inn at the time and she needed to grow some herbs for the kitchen there. So it, it, she goes over that and kind of her experiences, you know, starting these various gardens there over the years, um, different ways to customize it for different specific things. Uh, unlike the square foot gardening, this book doesn't go a lot into, you know, things like people with disabilities, older folks, that sort of thing. Uh, it's not as good a method to get around 
issues people have with say disabilities and gardening or it's not it's i mean as far as like easy to work with you know digging that sort of thing it's it's the same uh, because the materials you're using to establish these lasagna beds as they break down become just as sort of soft and easy to work with as the stuff in a square foot gardening bed so there's no real difference there but if you need to do raised beds and stuff like that uh, this has some tips on how to grow a lasagna bed in a container so you can actually do the layers in pots that sort of thing um, so there's a little help there but it's not quite as extensive as the whole chapter that the previous book uh, gave on it and some other books I'm going to read have uh, given on it but that really isn't the focus of the book so you can't fault it too much for that uh, so what this book is really super awesome for is let's say you are running a community garden or well, let's let's go to the school garden let's say you're going to start a school garden and you just have lawn everywhere. Now, maybe if you're like here in California, the area you're going to work in, nobody planted a lawn there. It's just the Bermuda grass that has grown out and filled the area. And when it got too tall, they mowed it and eventually it formed a turf, right? It's not intentional at all, but you've got a lawn there. Uh, it's kind of, if you listen to my episode before on Bermuda grass, the stuff is everywhere here. And if you didn't want a lawn, you'll have one. <laughs> so... You know, you've got grass there. You've got something there, right? Weeds, whatever. This basically lets you, rather than having to go through all the work of killing off your weeds or dealing with the problem, you just bury it. Um, you lay out, you know, a few layers of wet newspaper to sort of smother it. And then you put up... In some methods, you wouldn't use enough material to actually keep it down. But in this, you've got so much material that by the time the smothered grasses force their way up through the newspaper... They've got so much material to go through that they just run out of energy. Um, once you get past, I believe, it's three or four inches, they can't do a whole lot. So this method's really good for smothering out a lawn that maybe you didn't even want there and growing a garden without having to worry at all about the soil underneath. Because your plants are going to work mostly in that top layer, but they will have any soil below that as a sort of reservoir that they can reach into for additional materials and nutrients, as well as stability You know, for plants that need a taproot. Uh, but overall, you're mostly growing in those upper layers that you've composted. And at the end of the season, you can just layer on again and start over. But now you've got a subsoil under those new layers that is just the decomposed matter from the previous year. So you've got a better quality of soil. This sort of ranks above the square foot gardening in that it will build up the soil in that area. Once you've established that bed, you just keep your normal mulching and composting routines, which you would do for any bed you're amending normally. And you've, you've started a bed that is now a permanent bed. You've skipped all the early work of establishing it. This method establishes it. The raised bed sort of sinks down as it's decomposing and becomes just part of soil. And now you have a normal garden bed. You can then go ahead and build up on top of that again if you like, continuing to keep the raised bed going. Or if you just need a place for garden waste to go. But overall... You, you've done it. It's, you know, it doesn't have to continue to be a lasagna garden. A lasagna garden is a good way to start a garden bed, and then you maintain it through normal horticultural practice. So that is one advantage it has over a lot of these other method books, is once you've done this, the next season, that's just now a garden bed, and you can go forward as you would any normal uh, bed. So it's a really good way to get a bed started. So I definitely recommend picking this book up if you have an area you want to start a garden in where you don't have any kind of support there for a garden and you need to just put in something completely new and you don't want to put in a lot of infrastructure or raised beds or any of the other stuff. Um, it's not going to be that great if you have disabilities and you're trying to find some, you know, kind of gimmick to get around that. Um, but 
basically with that, you would just do the kind of stuff you do with a normal bed anyway, which is build a raised bed and then build this on top of that, that sort of thing. So yeah, it's a really good book. I, I enjoyed reading it. Um, it's well-written. It has a cadence and a writing style. It's very comfortable to read. So you'll probably whiz through it in no time. And the illustrations are very welcome and very useful and well done. Um, so that's all I have to say about that. Uh, I'm going to keep talking about these kind of topics next week. Uh, this is the podcast going forward is it's going to be about community garden, school gardening. Yeah, yeah. So there's all that. Um, you can find links to everything in the show notes. Uh, you can find everything about the podcast over at tjsgarden.com. The podcast itself is podcast.tjsgarden.com. I'll have more resources uh, showing up there as we go along, so definitely check in occasionally. Uh, you can reach out to me if you have any questions, especially if you're a school gardener or a community gardener and you need help with understanding a weed or a pest or how to get something going. Uh, reach out to me. It's the contact page over at tjsgarden.com. So that's all I got for today. Have a great day. Go out and enjoy your garden.